Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is adopting shared leadership. And our guest is Mark Roman, who's the Chief Information Officer with Simon Fraser University. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm terrific. How are you? Oh, could not be better. It's a beautiful sunny morning here in Chicago, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Oh, great. It's, uh, it's still dark here in Vancouver. <laughs> Oh yeah, so I should have gotten you uh, like a pot of coffee as a as a gift so that we can have a good conversation. But I'm sure you're alive and and, and enjoying this conversation. So I am. Yeah. yeah. So so what what we wanted to do here is because we talk, of course, of our of our audiences, uh, CIOs and technology leaders, and many others from businesses as well, and they are all senior, and they are all in one form or the other, are are holding a leadership position. But then leadership has got so many different interpretations. But over the years, given what companies are dealing with, what the the complexities and the variety of work and everything that they have to handle, uh, that's all increasing. And and it's going at a crazy increase type of a pace. And it doesn't look like it is one person's capability to handle it all. And and still, we have lived with this notion that as soon as you talk about leadership, it's singular. Mm-hmm. How could someone deal with all of this and not crumble or not, uh, and basically they'll not be able to do justice to it. So that means there should be a way, and there is, a, there is an established concept of shared leadership. A lot of people talk about it. But then it has not been adopted as well. And we wanted to talk about what's, what's the road to an adoption of a shared leadership where people up, down, sideways, everyone comes together with a common goal. And, and really, they're not reporting to this one person. They're like a swarm of ants who are moving together <laughs> with taking accountability. Now, that's a, that's a very cool idea. Mm-hmm. Let's see if it is practical. And I'm sure it has value, but if, if, if we say that it is practical, what would be the steps to going at least closer to that nirvana? Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the approach I'd like to take. So where we are today, we are still living that one singular leadership. So like, for example, you as a CIO, what's, what's going on in your organization? Are you not at the end of the day left holding the bag or... or, or uh, in front of the fire when something goes south? <laughs> when something goes south, it always lands on my lap, whether uh, I'm responsible or not. Um, I, I think it's interesting. You, you know, you talk about the swarm of ants, and it's almost like an army of bots that would work together, and it sounds kind of magical. And, you know, we all we, we read the science fiction or, or, or we look at some examples in nature and think that that's an alternative. Excuse me. We think that's an alternative. Um, but... You know, if we look at history, if we look at great leaders in history, um, they were faced with similar kinds of issues. If you look at the rise of Napoleon, um, it seemed like utter absolute chaos. And, and how could one leader emerge to to deal with this this hugely complex issue? And and yet these leaders do emerge. These leaders do emerge. Single leaders do emerge, and it seems almost impossible. Um, but um, being leader, being a leader isn't about 
being right all the time or having all the answers. It's about being willing to do the right thing all the time. Um, so, so what I'm saying is, you know, if you want to, you, you need to be, you need to think that it's not about being factually correct and having all the information and having complete and absolute control, but it's having the right principles and doing the right thing all the time. That, that I think, is, is true leadership. Um, we, we think that the, the leader has to be this, this hero, and um, I worry that sometimes a hero is a sign that we have no process and that, uh, you know, our organization isn't, isn't well-structured. Um, heroes are a sign of bad process, so you need to look for ways to, to transcend the hero model and say leadership isn't about heroes. Leadership is about somebody who has the right ethics and puts the right processes in place, and then um, how do you bring all that together? Real leaders create, they create teams. And uh, mutuality of interest is what really drives these successful teams that creates that swarm of ants, if you will. And the, the teams are where no one's a hero and everyone focuses really on creating better processes and delivering you know, the appropriate customer service or, or whatever it is that uh, your organization is about. The leader is the catalyst. He's the one or she's the one who drives the mutuality of interest and the desire to be process-focused. Uh, so I'll, that's kind of my, my, my view on, on, on this, this, this situation. So the end goal is so that you are not dependent on this one person. So imagine you or any leader who otherwise is charismatic, does all that they do in terms of uh, making other people or enabling other people. Imagine if that person was stripped off their title or they mm -hmm. were removed from that title. Mm -hmm. The beauty of an environment that they create is that it should be sustained, but it doesn't remain that way. That means somewhere underlying, not necessarily even if the person is not trying to be in a command and control approach, but somewhere there's an implied expectation there is someone that I am accountable to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and in, in absence of that person, things start not immediately crumbling, but there is a decay factor. And that means we have not let go of that notion that a person at the top is the one who is going to... Uh, there, there is one Pied Piper, is what I'm saying. We still talk <laughs> about one Pied Piper. We don't talk a bunch of Pied Pipers in the group, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to break that notion and trying to introduce... Not me trying to introduce. People are trying to see if there is a way that shared leadership concept Mm -hmm. Could be introduced so, uh, to everyone's yeah. benefit. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting. Um, I think sometimes we mistake shared leadership for other things, and um, I, I think that it's really important for you know when you talk about this this notion of of breaking it up is that um, a, a leader has to know when to. Uh, create a sense of empowerment in the organization. And uh, a real leader pushes decision-making down to the lowest level possible. So let's, 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 think, let's think of two examples. Um, and, and let's go to the, uh, the, uh, the military organizations, for example. Um, if you think about the two most successful military organizations in the 20th century, it would probably be the Israeli army and the German army in 1939-1940. Both had huge successes, and if you think about why they were so successful, it was primarily because they pushed decision-making down to the lowest level in the organization. Yes, they had generals and five-star folks with all kinds of brass on them, but in the end, 
they pushed the decision-making down to, to where it made sense. So created uh, organizations that were agile, they, were, they made better decisions through empowerment. Um, but ultimately, there was always a senior general who was accountable for the success or the failure of the organization. Um, I work in a university. Let's look at the university example. Universities are managed by a, a vast array of interwoven matrices. And there's three cultures in the university. There's an, an academic culture, which is collegial. Um, it's open for discussion. Um, there's, there's academic freedom. There's then the administrative side of the university, which is really a, a traditional hierarchy and, and, and much more like your, your top-down bureaucratic organization. And then there's the research side of the university, which is very entrepreneurial. And uh, people uh, uh, make, make decisions quickly. Uh, they try things, and if they fail, they try something else. Now, you take those three cultures, the academic culture, the administrative culture, and the research culture, and you bring them together into a single organization, it makes it very, very difficult to, to make decisions. There's different levels of decision-making, uh, risk tolerance, urgency, agility in these three cultures. The really successful leader is one who can work in multiple environments and then change their style to suit the environment. So when we think about this, this one great leader, well, the really great leaders are ones that are adaptive. They have an adaptive style to different cultures. The challenge is really for the leader to have a, a set of core values and principles of leadership that really transcend culture. Uh, and in the end, if you look at a university, Ultimately, whatever happens in that university is the accountability of, of the president, despite the fact that they probably don't have a lot of direct control. What they can influence is, is the set of principles by which the organization operates by. So I think quite often um, there's a limited degree of direct leadership but there is always some sort of ultimate accountability for command and control, whether you look at successful military examples or, or if you look at uh, a, a university environment. So that's, that's kind of my perspective on that. No, and, and, and you, whatever you just said, definitely there is some historical proof to something's working. Yeah? Mm -hmm. now, yeah. Now imagine the general had a scope of things to be done. Right, you got to go win the war. This is the company that, this is this is the other country that you're uh, having uh, a war against. So you know you've got a scope. Now imagine, and I'm going to bring you back to your CIO camp, if you will. Mm -hmm. Digital coming from all different directions. Mm -hmm. Business internally saying, I want something yesterday, and I want something new which you've never tackled before. Mm -hmm. The business outside which you and those other internal business leaders, the customers that you're referring to, they are mm -hmm. changing their approaches on mm -hmm. how they want to tackle or how they want to even deal with you and how they expect the value to be delivered by you. Mm -hmm. All of that happening means the volume, the variety, the velocity. Mm -hmm. All three are changing. Now, I am sure that you are a, a very experienced individual who has dealt with things and you've, you've, you've earned your stripes. But those stripes would... What, what got you here would not take you there. And it's mm -hmm. not that there's a limitation of you as a leader, but it's a limitation of a human of being able to tackle so much for so long and, and mm -hmm. so much efficiency. That means we are saying, let there be uh, and a type of organization. So shared leadership is not a, a dent on or a dinging the, the CIO or any leader individually. It is about saying, 
you know your limitations. You want to promote a culture of shared leadership where you alone are not indirectly or implicitly seen as someone who's going to hold the bag. Let the team, let those individuals who are beside you, behind you, above you, hold the bag or share the load of the bag together. Mm-hmm. And that's what is the missing part. But we, we let's do this. Let's let's kind of uh, take a quick break and come okay. back and further this discussion because this is the foundation of what shared leadership is so that there's clarity. Please stay tuned, okay. listeners. We'll be right back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. So, so Mark, would you agree that leadership is about influence? Right? That's essentially it is. And if we were to expand that definition from being a, a unidirectional influence to something which is dynamic, something which is interactive where influence is flowing up and down and sideways and it involves many people who are co-influencing or cross-influencing. That's what shared leadership is, in my view, or mm-hmm. I'm sure it is, it, is, it is a prevalent view of what shared leadership is. And mm-hmm. what would you say are, what's wrong with it? I mean, I know you, you may have a difference of opinion, mm-hmm. which is fine, but what, mm-hmm. where do you have reservations? Yeah, I, I think that you know when we, we we try and define leadership, we get into a, we get into a bit of a, a challenge here because um, you know we, we think leadership is about influence. Um, my perspective is that influence is sorry, uh, leadership is ultimately about getting things done. And you know I'm I'm here as a CIO at a, at a large university to get things done. And influence is one of the the tools I use. 
um, you know, just you know, em- empowering my staff, uh, giving them the the, uh, the sense of confidence to go out and do things, is is different from shared leadership. I'm, I'm a real strong believer in in delegating, but not abdicating. So I will delegate a lot of work. So I have about 200 direct reports and about 200 folks who also do IT work that are kind of indirect, and. To get things done, I have to use a combination of, of influence, of empowerment, of talking about core values and shared vision and getting everyone to kind of uh, uh, row in the same direction. But in the end, I can delegate all kinds of work to these people, but I can't abdicate my responsibility for getting it done. So my job is to make sure that I, I assign responsibilities to folks. Um, I clear the road of all, all obstacles for them, make sure they have the funding and the resources to get stuff done. But when things hit a speed bump, I'm watching. When things go off the road, I have to get involved. And I, I can't delegate the ultimate accountability for, for getting things done. So I have to jump in, and if something's failing, I have to get involved because I can't abdicate that accountability. And I worry that in a shared leadership model, people feel that they can just abdicate that, that, that accountability and say, well, you know, we're all leaders, so everyone uh, is responsible. In the end, there has to be some single point where the accountability comes to the buck stops here and someone says, okay, um, I, can, I can macro-manage to my heart's content, but when things start to go awry... I need to to get involved at a micro level. I I, I appreciate your feedback. Now let me give you another perspective. Mm-hmm. Leadership, besides getting the job done, is also about developing other leaders who then have their own influence to take accountability to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm just building a level of indirection of leadership versus being singular. Mm-hmm. By making it plural, so instead of of a leader just focusing on getting the job done, if they actually work towards developing those other leaders who would then be having the capability of influencing cross like sideways and up and down, mm-hmm. and then they also take accountability at their own level. And it's not that delegation would not happen. It will happen. But then that delegation will not be, or or rather I would not say it would be a delegation. It would be a voluntary um, request. Mm -hmm. Give me something. Mm -hmm. Let me deliver because I can do it well. And hey, John, you take this one. Or or John, what do you think? Would you like to take X? So this becomes like a, a basket of many fruits. And you invite all of them who you've been working and developing as leaders. They pick up the fruits they want and everyone is making sure the things move forward. So instead of this being like uh, you being at the inverted funnel, suppose you take as as an inverted funnel. If you are at the top of the funnel and everything is below, instead of that, what if the funnel was inverted? (laughs) I love that analogy. Um, I used to work for a, a bank where the president talked about um, being at the very bottom of the pyramid as opposed to the top. And uh, people out used to ask him, well, why would he say that? And he said, well, you know what? Um, the only way I could um, uh, get a customer or lose a customer for this bank is if I ran them over with my car. Um, that he felt he had very little front-line 
uh, ability to influence customer decisions. And so, you know, he was at the bottom of the pyramid. And, you know, I, I think that's actually a pretty good analogy from a customer perspective, right? And if, if you think about any organization as having customers, we all have customers. And if you're the bottom of that chain and you're the bottom of that value pyramid, then certainly um, you have to focus on, on developing staff and you have to view yourself as being supportive of everyone else. But... There's still one person at the bottom of that funnel or the bottom of the pyramid. Um, I, I worry that when we talk about shared leadership, we get into this this notion of um, uh, the, the, a commune. Um, I, I'll give you an example. I was in, uh, on South Street in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago, and there was a, a bookstore I walked past called the Anarchist's Bookstore, a fascinating bookstore. But I, I saw a cash register there, and I thought to myself, well, my gosh, if it's truly a, an anarchist bookstore, you should be able to just go in there and take whatever you want. Right? I, I think that we, we sometimes get, we, we, we fall in love with concepts and ideals. And, you know, anarchy or, 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 or communism or whatever seems like an idealistic way of going. Uh, but the reality is um, you've got to get stuff done. And to get stuff done, you've got to have process and discipline. And shared leadership dilutes your ability to get process in place and to execute in a disciplined manner. You know, this, this notion of, uh, you know, the 60s notion of peace, love, and understanding uh, is all great. But if you don't have the discipline, someone else is going to eat your lunch. It's a competitive world out there. And, you know, if I have to compete with somebody else, and I have a, a, a more structured culture and approach to, to work, I'm going to love it when my competitor says, oh, we're moving to a shared leadership model where everybody's in charge, because that tends to lead to, to chaos and anarchy. And that's fine with me. You just go right ahead, because if I'm your competitor, I know I'm going to eat your lunch. So totally, all the, all the points that you're making, and that's a pragmatic or a realist's view, Mm-hmm. And that realist's view, and, and this is a good good discussion, actually, it could turn into a debate where if we were to consider ourselves as leaders who have influence, but we only are available to help solve your problems as a resource versus the leader and only based on contingency versus on an ongoing basis. So the shared leadership is only not to be looked at when something is going south. In fact, that's the time someone could come to you and not as someone who's supposed to hold the bag, but Mm -hmm. as a resource who may have maybe some more experience than the rest of them or maybe one of you as a leader who has some more experience. Do you think that model would suffice? Because your responses were at all times, you mentioned that to get things done, I totally agree with you. And if things go down, at that time, they should remember you. But do you think you need to be always in limelight as a leader when they're going about doing things, making decisions themselves, if it hurts them at that act at a certain level, which is not mission critical or it's not going to bring the company down, let them deal with it. Do you think there's a problem? Uh, no, no, I don't. You know what? That's, that's interesting. And maybe I could, I could uh, move to an example where, uh, as a CIO for a university, I had a, a major uh, security breach with our point-of-sale systems. 
and uh, we discovered the incident on a on a Friday morning, and we shut down the, the we, we 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 caught it before it got out of hand, uh, and, and we were able to shut down the problem. Um, but I brought in all my senior people. Uh, it was a Friday afternoon. We were, we were sitting in a conference room, and we had a few extra tech folks in there as well uh, to talk about some of the details of, of what we had discovered. And it was really interesting. I had all what I, I like to call them the graybeards. These are the, the IT sysadmins and sysprog- uh, the really technical folks who've been around for, I don't know, 400 years since the dinosaurs roamed the, uh, the plains. And, um, you know, we're really senior folks talking about how this particular breach occurred and, and all of this stuff. And then we started to talk about the, uh, the point of sale terminals that have been compromised. And there was, uh, uh, one of our, our most junior technical folks in the room, and uh, she she said she she tried to make a comment, and all these you know much more senior uh, folks were were talking over her, and I, I I asked everyone to just be quiet for a moment, and I asked this 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 girl who's basically about twenty two, and I asked her if she could what I thought what I thought I heard her say, I asked her to repeat it, and she started to explain to the room how we had to handle the forensics around compromised computers. And it was amazing how this, this one voice started to dominate the, a room full of know, almost 30 people and explain the, the particular uh, uh, process we had to go through to, to lock down for, for, for forensics purposes uh, these, these compromised computers. And it was fascinating. It was probably the youngest person in the room, and I think there was only one, she was only one of uh, two or three females in the room. And the the sense I got of um, the respect she she earned within within five minutes in that room was absolutely incredible. And from that point on, she became the lead for the forensics process. Uh, for the for for the institution as we we move forward with with uh, managing the breach, and as a leader, sometimes you can convey a lot of power to someone very quickly, um, and it's 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 scenario based. In that particular circumstance, this unexpected person became the leader for a very very important activity. Um, and I can do that as a leader. I can say, you know what, I'm taking the hat off and I'm handing it over to you for a while. But in the end, if, if she ran into problems, I had to put the hat back on and say, okay, we're having problems here. This isn't working. I'm still accountable for this. Um, so, you know, if, if that's what you mean by shared leadership, then, then I, I, I wholeheartedly and wholesomely support it. Um, but I think... At the end of the day, even though I can convey authority and power to folks, um, I do that on a delegated basis, but I don't abdicate the responsibility for that person getting things done. What you just mentioned is competency, skills, or expertise-based credibility building. Mm -hmm. And people will come to her if they needed to get any question answered or they needed a unique situation to be tackled for her to be seen as a subject matter expert. Right. That is a credibility, what you just mentioned in the example. Now, mm-hmm. if 
if there was a wider discussion to be had about how this program will have to be done, there was a possibility to to check that individual to see if she would be open to leading the charge on building that type of a program so that it is not a need-based education, but it is adopted as a culture. Now, she may be the youngest, but she had some background. If she has got the right type of attitude, even though she was young, she could still be groomed into a leader who will then not, basically based on that growth that she would get, you would not have to next time when someone talks about compromising security or other related aspects, you you have now built a leader who will tackle it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so, so now what you've done is you've developed a leader beyond the competence or a functional expertise. You're talking about let that person go to a point where you've essentially developed another leader. And if you did mm-hmm. that and you've got such things happening wherever you get an opportunity – would you think that would create those those um, individuals who together will lead the organization without you having to watch or you having to hold the bag? <laughs> so let's let's do this. Let's let's talk about this when we come back. Please stay tuned, listeners. Okay. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit BlackBerry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, um, this is a fun conversation and, and your example of that uh, female who actually was able to command respect in the room. If possible, we could grow that or take that as an opportunity to grow her into a leader where she could do bigger and better things which span uh, ex- basically, they extend beyond her functional or technical capabilities. And if he did that, that could be the start of 
building a shared leadership approach where you have to do less and less, go to Hawaii, enjoy your vacation, and the world will still continue. That would be first prize, and I would love that. I uh, haven't now, had tell a chance. Me, so, yeah, so to to that, then what do you think of the challenges? What uh, prevents sorry, us from pardon? doing that? I apologize. I'm sorry. Big pardon? Yeah, I'm saying what, what would be the challenges in accomplishing it? Well, I think the... Uh, uh, that's that's the goal. That's the dream, you know, to be able to say I've got uh, all this great stuff. I can go to Hawaii and just take it easy. Uh, the last time I went to Hawaii, I was on email at least once a day, just checking up on things. Um, you know, first prize, and and you you got to get your jollies from growing your staff, from seeing your staff get better. Um, you know, I I have some staff that report to me, and I've said very clearly to them. You know, your next job is CIO. I'm not going anywhere, so my job is to turn you into somebody that can be like me at, at another institution like ours. And, and, and that's fun. That's, that becomes the, the great coaching opportunity because you can sit down with folks and say, okay, here's where you want to go. Um, here's what I can do to help. Um, and, and you grow them, and you have to get some sort of internal satisfaction from that. You have to feel good about that. Um, if, if, it, if, if you're in the role because you want to have power and you want to control people, then it's no fun, right? You're not seeing any growth or improvement or change in, in people, and that's, that's the real buzz. So I think it has to start from a place of, of honesty in, in, in your own self as a leader. Um, do you want to grow other leaders? That's, that's the fun part of the job. Um, I think that by the time you're ready to put your feet up and relax and go to Hawaii and not answer email, you're probably going to get bored if you're a really good leader. And um, my, my, my preference is to have something exciting to do. And if I get to the point where I've got such a great leadership team that they don't need me, I'm going to get bored and I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> no, Andrew, um, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, what you sure. just said, it, it totally makes sense. But then here the end goal was not to just have the top-level person kick back and relax and rest to other people do job. You are a part of the organization. You do not own the organization as the leader, and you're a resource. And, mm-hmm. and if the time is spent in building other leaders who can do the job and they can talk to other leaders who you've also developed, mm-hmm. then essentially you will, as a group, will have the mentality of bring it on. Yeah, yeah. Bring the challenge, bring the opportunities, we will tackle them. But that's yeah. what shared leadership is that is that still utopia or is that is that something you think is has has been tackled and brought pretty close to the ideal? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just think utopia might be a little boring. So uh, I like to have something that keeps me going. I, I it's it's interesting. I think you know a great leader um, looks for ways to um, uh, encourage their staff to, to, to bring their, their A game to the work. Um, but a great leader is the reason why people bring their A game to the work. So, you know, I, 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 want, I want staff to come in feeling like they want to impress me. Uh, and I, I want to impress them. I want to have an environment where we're all we're all there to really do cool stuff and to do some exciting stuff, and and um, and that you know when we have meetings, we're all we're all excited to talk about the accomplishments. We're excited about what we're going to do with the the challenges. That it feels like um, we're doing something special. So 
so that when you come into work every day, you feel like you're doing something special. Sometimes it's about the work. Sometimes it's about the people. Um, but it's always, in the end, about having a, a, a vision of where you want to go to. So the, the great leaders find ways to make it very clear where we're going. And it's, it's got to be something simple. Um, you know, for, for, for our university here, uh, the vision is to have what we call one IS or one information system. And that vision says that um, all of our systems will work together in a seamless fashion and all the people who support those systems will work together in a seamless fashion. And that seems pretty simple, but in a, in a complex university environment where there's, there's multiple cultures, there's really a matrix of decision-making, to get to that vision is, is, is non-trivial. Um, and it, the value in having that vision as leader is that everybody understands where you're going, and, you know, we're not going to achieve that overnight. So it creates this, 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 um, this long-term objective that influences every small decision you make. So every, every small decision, every medium decision, every big decision that the, that the IT folks in the institution make needs to start to align itself towards, is this going to help us achieve the vision of 1IS? Right, so I just, I just think having that compelling vision is really important to getting everybody to, to work together. And when you talk about vision, do you think it is really uh, the only option that people at the top generate the vision? Because as you said, about, or, or as we discussed about the leaders being also present beyond you as the person at the top, that means that vision could be co-created and not become the monopoly of person at the top. And when you do that, then it is no longer, the adoption is no longer an issue because it was a co-creation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's, that's a luxury, you know, to, to do the co-creation. Um, I, I think, you know, when you go through a planning process, you, you need to have, you need to hear a lot of voices. You need to understand where everyone's going. Um, in, 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 um, you know, from my experience in the university environment, it's like pulling back a very large elastic. You get a lot of people pulling. Imagine this mile-long elastic. And it's, it's anchored at two ends, and everybody's trying to pull it back. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of coordination to pull it back. It's, it's consensus, it's conversations, it's lots of, of talking and listening. Um, but once that elastic's pulled as far back as it goes, and you've got agreement, then when you let go, boy, things move quickly. And, and so I think from a planning process, if you can say the vision is to aim the elastic due west, um, and you, you get everyone to agree on how you're going to pull it back. When you let it go, it really moves quickly, and that's, that's the success of having a singular vision, but a lot of people contributing to the planning for that vision. And so, you know, maybe it's a group of co- folks that come up with the vision, but in the end, the execution has to be a coordinated effort, and that coordinated effort in, in the end requires one person to be accountable for it. And and so, and, and I'm just going to put it out there. Do you think that could be a form of limiting belief that that's how it is going to work without attempting it? Where a person, single person, is the only one has to do it? Because, of course, you, you, you're definitely speaking from your experience. But has anything of this sort, what I'm talking about, it's not even a utopia, just another way of 
approaching leadership where you say, no, I'm not going to say that I'm the only one responsible. You come along and you be responsible as well. Has that been tried and you're saying that it falls flat on its face every time it was tried? No, 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 boy, uh, uh, no. Uh, so let, let me give you an example. We, we have uh, regular meetings with my direct reports, and um, when things are going well, um, we, it's a very comfortable conversation. I don't really participate much in the conversation. I just kind of uh, let folks lead, and uh, uh, you know, we, we walk in the room, we write, write a, a list of things on the whiteboard, things we want to talk about in that meeting, and things go well. But when things are not going well, when we have a problem, I tend to take more control over the conversation. Um, and I think that that's a, a sign of leadership where you know when to step away and you know when to step in. You know when, when's the time to, to behave in a, you know, an open, uh, comfortable, relaxed fashion. And then there's times when occasionally you have to be uh, authoritative about how we're going to move forward. And, and the, as a, a leader knows when to apply different styles. And I would suggest that it's a scenario-based leadership style. So in different scenarios, you have to behave differently, and no one style is always effective. The trick in true leadership is understanding what style to apply in what context. And sometimes that's really hard. And and you're, you're, you're right about it. We just have to make sure that anyone who is going to come on board and is going to participate in anything that we are trying to do, it's not about building a consensus, but you're saying you are going to be part of this bigger puzzle that we are trying to solve with new pieces getting added every day. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. have the mental bandwidth or the capability or the experience in everything possible you step up, or in fact, you don't have to say that you step up because you cannot really pull their collar and pull them in. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have to focus on building those set of leaders, which will in turn build it as a shared leadership environment. But that is that is that is that the time that uh, people at the top like yours are actually thinking or spending where where you're not focused on getting the job done, but in in, in turn focusing on getting these people to take ownership, co-ownership, get the job done in that process, and you are able to lead it to that model that we just spoke about versus shutting it down and saying this is not going to work. Oh, boy. you got to be really careful here. I think... um I used to be really technical, so I grew up through the ranks. I was a programmer, database administrator, systems administrator, analyst. So I've worked my way up through through IT, and I remember being a programmer and really understanding the technology in a way that um, nobody at a management level, and particularly a senior management level, understood. And I knew what could work, what couldn't work, and I, you know, I would watch decisions being made, and I thought oh, that's a really dumb decision. They don't really understand the technology. And so I thought, well, you know what? They all have MBAs. I may have a computer science degree, but I'm going to go get an MBA, and I'm going to go lead an IT organization, and I'm going to understand the technology. I'm going to make better decisions than them. What, you know, if, if I look back in my career, I found that the further up I moved, the further away I got from the technology, the less I understood about the technology. And so... Um, I, the one thing I've been mindful of throughout my career is that 
I can no longer make the technology decision, so I have to listen very carefully to the, 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 the technical people who really understand how things work and, and to pay attention to their advice. Um, you know, and, but what I can bring to the table is, is the overall institutional mission, the, 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 the business sense for what decisions need to be made and uh, help the, the technical folks understand the reasons for the technology and why we're implementing it and to help them understand the business case. So I, I think that uh, although I, I can no longer make a rational technology decision, I can help the people who understand the technology provide me with the appropriate advice on the right technologies to invest in. Let's take a quick break, uh, break listeners. We'll be right back. And I, I love this example because my next question will be that what you were able to do with relinquishing or, or rather accepting that, okay, I don't understand the technology, that automatically led you to help other people assume control and or take responsibility. And you saw that now any new technology decision has to be made. A, a, a swarm of ants come together and they're able to help solve it. Now, that came from the, the perceived lack of interest and or expertise, which led to innovation. Actually, Einstein said that expertise is the enemy of innovation. So what <laughs> if we took that that concept that you mentioned or the example and, and, and your own example of you letting go of your uh, perception of your expertise in technology led you to innovate in the way you got still better technology decisions done. How about let it span to leadership and accept that there could be other leaders who could bring better leadership or at least comparable leadership beside you in the organization and let it follow course and let it develop some leaders and let it make it the shared leadership model. I'm going to keep pushing my agenda. Listeners, please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise.
You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, we, we spoke about different examples, and the last one that you gave was where you were able to let go of your um, notion that technology is something that you are current with, let other people handle, and that resulted phenomenally well in terms of other people taking ownership, running with it, making decisions, and, and making you proud. Mm-hmm. What if you took the leap of faith and extended it in, 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 in the way you say, okay, you know what? Other people may be better in leading and relinquish that control and become a student and see the magic happen. Well, then what would I do for the rest of the day? <laughs> well, you will be learning. You'll be cool. uh, you, you, you will be there to develop them because they would not be fully cooked yet. Because yeah. right now they've been learning technology and you will be, say, one of the trainers and or someone who's going to learn how leadership can be done and you join the academy together with them. It's not Mm -hmm. about you letting go and you're an expert, perhaps not. No one is an expert in leadership. Do you think that is how we can move forward in that area and that would become the genesis of shared leadership? Yeah, I love that. Well, no one is an expert in everything. Um, but what's interesting is that, you know, I, I, I do see my job as a trainer, as a coach, as that's, that's part of, part of it. Uh, and, you know, I get my jollies from seeing my staff become much better people, much better leaders. Um, I, I also think that, um, leadership is more than that though. Um, leadership also includes how you make decisions, right? And when you think about a complex organization like a large research institution or university, how do you how do you make decisions? And is that up to the CIO to make all the decisions about technology? I think traditionally, the answer has always been yes. I don't agree with that at all. Um, I think that when we make decisions about technology at a university. They need to be university decisions, not the, the, the leader of the IT organization. Um, and so when you, know, when you talk about you know, the swarm of ants, I think about the, the broader decisions we need to make about an institution. So let's say, uh, as an example, the university uh, wants to move, uh, move away from an archaic email system to a more modern cloud-based uh, email system uh, with a lot more functionality than a traditional email system would have. Um, is that the, the sole, sole exclusive decision of the CIO? I think the answer is no. I think the real answer is that you need to have a stewardship process in place where the entire university makes the decision. So that's giving up, as a leader, a whole lot of power. And it's not just giving it up as leadership of the IT organization. It's, it's giving it up as, as leadership of technology of the university to, to the whole university so that the university makes the decision. So let me, let's, let's walk through the example of uh, you know, changing, uh, changing an email system. And um, what we, we can do all of the work around here's what needs to be done. Here are the options. We can move to this cloud service. We can move to this on-premise system. We can move to these, these variety of vendors. Here's the cost. Here's the benefits. Here's the whole business case around that. My job as the CIO is to facilitate that process. So I make sure that the, the technical folks who really understand the technical pieces of the puzzle have 
put that together properly. And then my job is to take that, take that, that information and, and, and do the full business case analysis and bring that to the senior leadership of the university and say, here are the options. We recommend this, but let's have a discussion about where we should be going and, and what's the appropriate direction for, for the institution. So in the end, the decision becomes the university's decision, not the CIO's decision or the IT department's decision. We end up behaving like Switzerland. We're splendidly neutral when it comes to the decision-making process. In the end, though, what happens is the university makes the decision, and the university is ultimately accountable for the decision. So in this particular case, um, in, in an, email, an email decision at this university, we went through this process of saying, you know, what's the business case? But then what are the, the ethics around moving very, very private information to a cloud service which would be owned by a foreign company uh, under foreign legislation? And do we feel comfortable with that? Even if their servers are hosted in our country, the company that owns the data is a foreign company. Are we comfortable with that? And the answer became no. And so it was an ethical decision to spend more to have an on-premise email solution versus having a cloud-based solution. And it was based on an ethical conversation and a university decision, not an IT decision, not a technical decision, not a CIO decision, but a broad-based decision. And as a leader, as a CIO, I'm giving up a huge amount of power by broadening the decision-making. But in the end, once we make that decision, then it's everyone's decision. So we, when things sometimes hit speed bumps, we're all in it together. When we run into problems, we're all in it together. Whereas if it was just an exclusive decision made by the IT department and things went wrong, folks could point the finger and say, you guys failed. But when we do it collectively, when leadership becomes a collective decision-making process, then it becomes a mutuality of interest process, and we all work together. And we come to better decisions, and we come to better execution as well because we're all supportive of the, the decision throughout the complex and sometimes difficult uh, implementation process. Your last response, uh, Mark, is, is spot on. And in a way, what you just described was shared leadership, but of course, in a different terminology. So I still stand my ground. There is a possibility of shared <laughs> leadership. But then your comments are well taken. Listeners, hope you enjoyed. This was a debate, but a healthy one so that you can see all sides, both sides of the coin and, and make your own decision whether you can adopt leadership. So thank you so much again, Mark, for taking the time. And Sanjo, thank you so much. It was a great conversation. I really, uh, really enjoyed it. And listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CTN on Twitter and also on LinkedIn. Download our mobile app, sign up for iTunes for podcasts. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.